engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It's nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. Uh, the phone number, well, let me hold off on the phone number. We, we're having some phone line issues. They're working on them. They should have them finished here momentarily. I'll let you know. Uh, it is nine after the hour, though, and I want to get into this audio. And I got to give credit where it is due. Uh, Monica Perez, who's here on the weekends, she has a producer named Binkley, and he found this audio. And I heard it yesterday, and I wanted to reach out to several people because I wasn't sure. It was found on the internet, didn't know where it had come from, and ran it by several people who said, yeah, this sounds legit, this sounds like th- that voice. Uh, they passed it on to other people, and they got back to me this afternoon and said, uh, yep, uh, pretty sure this is legit. And is this comes on the heels of the New York Times story that Stacey Abrams uh, burned the Georgia flag on the steps of the state capitol in 1992 when she was a college student. I have to tell you, and I realize this is a sensitive subject for a number of people, but I want to tell you out of the gate, I do not blame any citizen of Georgia who is not white for being offended by the state having the Confederate battle flag on the state flag when it wasn't done until Brown versus Board of Education as a white protest to civil rights. Uh, Spare me your outrage over saying that. We're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. Uh, I don't have a problem with any black person in this state being offended by the Confederate battle flag. And I don't uh, know that you can appreciate that, um, some of you, but... That's where I stand on this issue. Uh, I was not offended myself by the Confederate battle flag on the state flag as uh, something that people, by the time I moved to Georgia, viewed as a heritage issue. But I totally get it. Once I discovered when it came, it wasn't like Mississippi that had the Confederate flag added right after the Civil War. This was done as a white protest in the late 1950s uh, against the Civil Rights era. And I totally get people not liking it, uh, particularly if you're black. I mean, you're, you're descendants of slaves in this country who people died under that flag to keep you a slave. I, I get it. Uh, we're not going to revisit the Civil War here. I'm just telling you, I, I don't hold it against Stacey Abrams for burning that flag on the state Capitol steps in the 90s in, as a college student. I, I don't. Um, what I do, though, have a problem with is this idea now by some, including Stacey Abrams, that we need to tear down all the monuments to the Confederacy. And the reason I have a problem with that is that unlike the Confederate flag being added to the Georgia flag uh, in the 50s as a civil rights, as a protest against civil rights and desegregation, most of the major monuments in this state uh, dedicated to the Confederacy, every small town in Georgia has a Confederate soldier who faces north, uh, and they did not come about during the Jim Crow era. They came about after the Civil War as monuments to the fathers, sons, brothers, other family members who died in the war. And people in the South, white people in particular, built those to honor the men who fought for their country. It was a different time. There were different views across the board, not just on slavery. There were different views on nationhood. There were different views on state sovereignty. There were different views on the United States. Uh, Keep in mind that it was not until after 
the Civil War that people began commonly referring to the United States as the United States. Prior to the Civil War, it was referred to as these United States. Uh, it, it, a big, it was a big difference. And many, many families contributed money to erect those statues to honor the fallen soldiers of the South. And I do not think that we need to tear those statues down. I do not think we need to tear Stone Mountain down. I do not think we need to purge from our history these statues. That's actually what authoritarian regimes tend to do. I think if you look on these statues and view them with contempt, well, look on them and view them with contempt and remember the history you hold in contempt. If you look on these statues and you remember it was your great-great-grandfather who fought in the Civil War, well, remember your great-great-grandfather. We don't have to all have to have the same view about these statues, but I don't think we should tear them down. They are a historic legacy in this nation, and there's no reason for us to erase that history any more than any other history. And Stacey Abrams disagrees with that and wants to tear these things down her mother talks about that in this audio uncovered by monica perez and in binkley yo maybe maybe it's a good thing the the phone lines are screwed up right now my goodness i just looking at uh, the couple of emails that have come in for me talking y'all listen i i'm sorry but i i'm i view the flag differently from the monuments uh, largely because so many of the monuments happened right after the civil war and clearly historically we know they were to honor the fallen, they were not to rub people's nose in uh, history or in Jim Crow, as opposed to the Confederate flag being added to the Georgia flag in 1957 as a protest in the state legislature to desegregation. I view them completely differently. I, I'm not going to hold it against Stacey Abrams that she burned the Confederate flag. I do, however, want to play this audio of her mother where, because you know, the, the official position now of Stacey Abrams is she doesn't want to tear down Stone Mountain as she has long claimed. Well, listen to this again, hat tip to Monica Perez and Binkley, her producer for finding this. My daughter, Stacey Abrams, and Stacey went to, went to school here in Duffport until we left going to seminary. And she is. She was. She stepped. Just stepped down from being the, the the House of Representatives, top Democrat, the minority leader in Georgia, and now she's a candidate for governor of Georgia. And 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 you 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 might have seen her, but on TV, and and she's 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 gets in trouble too, just like Sonya does. She she's trying to get them to to take down. Those statues of Stone Mountain, those, those racist things, and, and, and the flag. But then when she was at Spelman College, she went on the steps of the Capitol and burned the Georgia flag. I don't know if they know about that or not. <laughs> you have to love a mom. Yeah, she is clearly proud of her daughter, uh, and I don't blame her. Stacey Abrams has accomplished much. Uh, and, and again, I'm not going to make an issue about the flag. Uh, I think it's a non-issue. Uh, the other, though, is, I mean, she, Stacy wants to get rid of those monuments, and she's walked that back on the campaign trail, and I don't think that's something that she can walk back. I think you got to own that, uh, because it's pretty clear to me that that is her position, even though she's walked it back, because I guess the polling suggests most people, in fact, you know, nationwide, uh, polling seems to suggest that a, a slight majority of black voters, but overall a uh, very decisive majority of voters, independent, Democrat, and Republican, are opposed to revisiting this issue and tearing these monuments down. And I suspect that's a polling issue for her, but here's her mom uh, saying she wants to get rid of them all. 
which had been Stacey Abrams' position until she uh, got through the Democratic primary and then suddenly walked it back as she wants to find some sort of compromise. I, I don't actually believe she wants to find that compromise. I think she does want to tear those things down. Now, you may want to tear down Stone Mountain as well. I, I don't. Um, I, I think it actually is a, a work of art that whether I agree with what it's supposed to represent or not, it's a work of art on that side of that mountain. And there's no reason to blow up the mountain or carve off the monument, uh, add something else up there. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I wonder what the effect of this will be in South Georgia. I wonder what the effect of this will be in other areas of the state outside the Atlanta area. My suspicion is in South Georgia, there's a drip, drip, drip effect. And Stacey Abrams needs to make inroads in South Georgia because Brian Kemp has a huge base of support there. And he has a huge base of support in the metro area, although you never know that by press reports. And between her comments about agriculture and her comments about the monuments and the burning of the flag, etc., I don't know that that plays very well in certain parts of the state. But there's something that shouldn't play well across the state from Atlanta to rural areas. I've got audio of Stacey Abrams attacking the free market, calling into question what the free market has done, calling for greater government intervention. And that shouldn't play well anywhere. And I will play this audio for you when we come back. You have trouble sleeping. Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night? When you sleep poorly, how does this impact the rest of your day? Look, I'm excited to announce I'm partnering with Calm. It's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programming, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grown-ups designed to quiet your mind and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark Peters from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. They're guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and they're soothing music and more. Now look, for a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off Calm Premium subscriptions at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that's going to get you drifting off to dreamland in no time. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric. Then go to sleep. It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Now, I want to play this audio of Stacey Abrams. Uh, We have had Stacey Abrams on the campaign trail uh, insulting farmers, saying that we um, we don't need people in agriculture they or ho- hospitality. They should have e- jobs in renewable energy because climate change is real. And now she's attacking the free market. And I am sick and tired of hearing about the free market being the solution to this problem. Because I've never seen the free market write a prescription in rural Georgia. I mean, never seen the free market show up to give someone metformin so they can have a little bit of control of their diabetes before it turns into an amputation of their foot. I've never seen the free market say, I'm going to replace that stench in your heart next door and not make you go 200 miles to get it done. 
The problem with the free market is the free market needs to make a profit. Uh, the problem with the free market is the free market needs to make a profit. Uh, you know what, though? She's talking about health care. She wants government-controlled health care in Georgia. Let's walk back through this, shall we? And I am sick and tired of hearing about the free market being the solution to this problem. Now, think about your current health care. Because I've never seen the free market write a prescription in rural Georgia. Where did the doctors go to school? Uh, many of them probably private institutions because of the free market. Where did the prescriptions come from? Not government command and control economies, but from the free market economy in the United States. I mean, never seen the free market show up to give someone metformin so they can have a little bit of control of their diabetes before it turns into an amputation of their foot. Where did that medicine come from? The free market. I've never seen the free market say I'm going to replace that stench in your heart next door and not make you go 200 miles to get it done. And why is there a backlog of of patients needing stents in Scotland and England and Canada and other places that don't have the free market? Because they don't have the free market. And where did the free market come from? Well, here. Where did the stint get developed? In the American free market. The problem with the free market is the free market needs to make a profit. And because the free market makes a profit, we got stints and great medicine and great health care and could have greater health care if we unleashed the free market, Stacy. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, just a quick word on Stacey Abrams. As I said, the flag doesn't bother me. It happened in 1992. You know, Brett Kavanaugh was doing keg stands in college. Stacey Abrams was burning the Georgia flag in college. Uh, what they've done after college, I think, is what matters. Uh, I'm not going to hold that against either one of them. And frankly, I, I don't care that that a black person burned the Confederate battle flag. I, I, I don't care about it. It's not an issue for me. And uh, I really a, a tip of the hat to the Kemp campaign uh, that has avoided this story like the plague. And I think that was very smart of them uh, to avoid this story. The New York Times ran this story. Um, I, well, listen, I can tell you, uh, so Binkley with Monica Perez found the audio of, um, of Stacey Abrams mother talking about Stacey having burned the flag. And I reached out to folks in the campaign to see if they knew it was legit and they had not heard the audio and they're like, um, we're not even going to touch this go elsewhere. Uh, so good for them for avoiding it. Uh, it, it's, it's a cheap shot, I think. And I'm happy to defend Stacey Abrams on this one. Here is my problem, though. When you take the totality of things, I want to play this audio for you again from the other day. That is organizers from Stacey Abrams' campaign organizing a protest of her Democratic opponent merely for being white. So you've got in the here and now Stacey Abrams campaign weaponizing race. 
Forget 1992. Forget burning the flag. In the last year, her campaign shouted down her political opponent merely for being white. She has flip-flopped repeatedly on the issue of what to do about Stone Mountain and the monuments around the state, the post-Civil War monuments. That speaks volumes to me, with or without the flag burning, that she's willing to use race as a political weapon. The motto of Atlanta has always been the city too busy to hate. That the racial grievances that rocked other places, Birmingham, Montgomery, Macon, Valdosta, Savannah, they didn't happen in Atlanta. People were very proud of it, that they didn't happen in Atlanta. Atlanta was too busy to hate. We were all so busy making money together, it didn't matter. But there has been a, a growing class of politician in this city willing to weaponize the racial issue for political gain. And when you take the totality of all of these things together, I think we see that Stacey Abrams is one of those politicians. I don't have a problem with her burning the flag. I do have a problem with her and her campaign seemingly being willing to use race as a way to divide people. I have a real problem with that. I have a real problem with her campaign staff organizing a protest of a candidate because that candidate is white. Can you imagine the media reaction if Brian Kemp had organized a protest against a politician for being black? We would never hear the end of it. And yet the entire media has been willing to give her a pass for people on her campaign staff doing this, that she's turned a blind eye to. She's kept them employed. I've got a real problem with that. And it is that pattern that I have a problem with the weaponizing of race issues at a time the country is already divided and being okay with that. You actually don't see Brian Kemp doing this. You see the Democrats doing this. And that I think is a real problem. That's what I have a problem with. It's too radical for Georgia. Now let's go to the phones here. Kim in Peachtree Corners, you are up first tonight. Welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was just wondering if you knew either A, has anybody pointed out to Stacey Abrams if she wants a good example of how the how national health care would look? All she needs to do is look on Claremont at the VA Medical Center that just got one out of five-star ratings. Um, I mean, the VA system is just a microcosm of what national health care would be, and it's, it's an absolute failure. And I hope Brian Kemp points this out to her in the debates. Yeah, you know, it, it really is fascinating to me to hear Democrats say we need more government health care when the VA is the ultimate model in this country of government health care. And it is an abject failure um, to turn your back on the free market uh, is. And listen, that's not to say the government doesn't have a role in, in rural health in rural Georgia where you, there is no hospital anywhere around, I think the government can play a role. But it's absolute nonsense to think that we need total government control of health care. Um, the free market vastly outperforms the government on these issues. Uh, that it, you, There is no strong demand for Americans to rush to socialist health care countries, and yet there is a huge demand uh, in socialist health care countries for their citizens to come to this country for medicine. I mean, the waits in Canada and Great Britain for stints, for gallbladder surgery, for you name it, are outrageous. 
You do not want more government health care in Georgia, and that's what Stacey Abrams wants. That's a bad thing. She also wants to get rid of all the free market incentives Governor Deal has put into education and roll that back. Uh, look at the, our school systems are already, even with all those reforms, still not as good as they could be. And she wants to roll back all those reforms. That's a real problem. I do not trust the government. You know why I'm a conservative, by the way? The reason I'm a conservative is because I believe we are all sinners. And I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible. And the more sinners you have in charge, the more you're going to have corruption and waste and fraud and abuse and government control is all of those things from the VA or elsewhere. The free market works better. And for Abrams to attack it in Georgia when we're trying as a state to be more competitive economically is a real problem voters need to pay attention to. It is 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Back to the phones we go. Karen in Atlanta, you're next. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Long-time listener. Thank you. Um, wanted to share a text message that I had received from the Abrams camp dated on May the 21st at 6.58 p.m. It reads, Stacey Abrams wants to make history as the first black woman elected governor, and it has black hands praying. I'm Courtney, K-O-R-T-N-I, of Color of Change, P-A-C. Will you vote for Abrams on tomorrow? If this text message had come from the um, Kemp camp stating to keep the governor's mansion white male, yep. it would have been all over the media. Yep. But I received this. I was so offended that I asked them to stop texting me immediately, and I told them that they were a racist. Well, good for you. It really is amazing how everyone wants us to be a colorblind society and move beyond race, and yet uh, they play up race. And that's part of the problem I have with the Abrams campaign when they're going to go out and organize a protest uh, against a candidate merely for being white and then scream racism about everything out there. I think it's a gross double standard. I, I really do. And I think that she's too radical for the governor's mansion, from weaponizing race to her campaign lying about voter registration issues to her attack on the free market to her gun control stance to her tax increase stance to her uh, killing private education stance, on and on it goes. I think she's too radical for Georgia. It is 8 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You know, there are other races besides Brian Kemp and, and Stacey Abrams. One of those races is Karen Handel versus Lucy McBath. And this is a weird case. Um, so McBath and her husband appear to actually live in Tennessee. 
but they've been claiming a homestead exemption in Cobb County for the last 16 years. Uh, And now Cobb County is revoking the last three years of their homestead exemption and their 2018 homestead exemption because they no longer meet the primary residence requirements. Now, under the Constitution, you've got to be a resident of the state in which you are running. And I'm wondering why no one has filed a lawsuit. Um, I, I, I really, seriously, I, I mean, residency challenge to Lucy McBath. Now, this is all on Georgia.com has this story. The homestead exemption status of a Democrat candidate for Congress in Georgia is set to be revoked by the Cobb County Tax Commissioner's Office tax documents show. Democrat Lucy McBath and her husband, Curtis McBath, are facing revocation of their homestead exemption in Cobb County for the last three years and 2018 because they no longer meet the residency requirements. McBath is challenging Republican Karen Handel in Georgia's 6th Congressional District. Uh, She has publicly said she recently moved back to the district after living in Tennessee, but her husband, Curtis McBath, has been claiming a homestead exemption in Cobb County for 16 years, even though many documents otherwise used to verify residency in Georgia are legally recorded in Tennessee. Yikes. Now, McBath has been criticized for inconsistent comments on residency. Uh, In the Atlanta Press Club debate of May 2018, she said she'd been a resident of Georgia since 1990, but records indicate she voted in Tennessee in 2016. Then she reverted back to Georgia in 2017. The Tennessee Secretary of State's office confirmed in July of 2018, McBath registered to vote in Tennessee on March 23, 2016. And now the, the Blunt County tax office in Tennessee says Curtis McBath, her husband, owns three parcels of land in the county, and Lucy McBath has said her husband is a permanent resident of Tennessee. So how does that work? You're married, and you live in Cobb County, Georgia, and your husband lives in Tennessee? Really? I I don't believe this. Um, Here's the thing. Lucy McBath says that her husband's a permanent resident of Tennessee and she registered to vote in Tennessee. You vote where you're a resident. And Lucy McBath has voted in Tennessee. I have a hard time believing that the 6th Congressional District in Georgia wants someone who lives in Tennessee being their congresswoman. I don't actually think that Karen Handel is going to lose this race, but it is very interesting uh, that we have someone running against her who didn't sort out these residency issues to begin with. Uh, Deeply problematic. And then there's just this whole, that's just weird. I'm sorry. It's weird. Even in the 21st century, it's weird. You are married and you're trying to claim residency in Cobb County while you vote in Tennessee and your husband is a, described by you as a permanent resident of Tennessee. That doesn't add up. By the way, you should note um, that the Cobb County Commissioner's Office uh, conducted an audit and sent an audit letter to Lucy McBath. And where did they send it? They sent it to an address in Rockford, Tennessee. Even though the property is on Brentwood Drive in Marietta. 
It's worth noting the property records from Blount County, Tennessee list the Marietta address as a correspondence address for Curtis McBath. The Marietta address is the same one Curtis McBath has claimed a homestead exemption on since 2002. And again, y'all, I'm looking at allongeorgia.com that has this. Uh, Jessica, forgive me. I always butcher your last name, so I'm not going to say it on air. But uh, Jessica at All on Georgia, who does fantastic uh, reporting on these issues, she has this and she points out these inconsistencies. Uh, so Blunt County, Tennessee doesn't offer homestead exemptions. Tennessee doesn't have a an income tax. They don't do homestead exemptions. Uh, there are three properties in Blunt County, Tennessee listed in Curtis McBath's name. Now, the records for the property in Tennessee say Curtis McBath resides in Marietta, Georgia. But Lucy McBath has said her husband is a permanent resident of Tennessee. The McBaths have claimed a homestead exemption in Cobb County for the last 16 years, but during those entire 16 years, Curtis McBath has been a registered voter in Tennessee. Lucy McBath has said she hasn't been a resident of Georgia for a period of time, but was one of Tennessee. But even during those years, she wanted the homestead exemption in Cobb County. Homestead exemption laws require the vehicles owned by property owners have to be registered in the county where the homestead exemption is claimed. But McBath's vehicles are registered in Tennessee. The McBath campaign says Lucy's lived in Georgia's 6th Congressional District since 2008. But in 2009 and 2010, she claimed a homestead exemption in Douglas County, while her husband claimed one in Cobb County. Douglas County isn't in the 6th Congressional District meaning McBath was not honest about living in the 6th District. I mean, all of this is just, ah, my goodness gracious, y'all. We have a candidate, and of course it's a Democrat, running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District who probably actually lives in Tennessee, who's been claiming homestead exemptions in areas that she doesn't live, taking advantage of the taxpayers of Cobb County. And at least Cobb County is seeking a refund of the exemptions given for the last three years and, and not given it in 2018, which is good. But this is this is another Democrat. Well, why aren't the Democrats vetting these candidates better? I mean, you know, you got the situation now with Andrew Gilliam, Gilliam who's running the gov- for governor in Florida. It looks like he may win. Ron DeSantis is a, turned a terrible candidate uh, for statewide office. He really has been. Uh, but now it's come out that an undercover FBI agent gave uh, this Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Florida tickets to Hamilton, the Broadway show. And you got uh, this Democrat here has probably, I mean, just around the country, you, you got, uh, what's her name? Kristen Cinema in Arizona has all sorts of problems. It's like the Democrats were playing up identity politics. You've got uh, the black woman running for governor in Georgia, You've got the black man running for governor in in Florida. You've got the open-minded hippie white liberal in Arizona. You got this lady in in the 6th Congressional District, and nobody bothered to actually vet the candidates. They were playing for identity politics, and they didn't bother to vet these people. And look what's happening by not vetting these people. Their their campaigns are starting to fall apart uh, because they were never vetted. But, you know, this is the moral of the story here, by the way, is that primaries matter primaries better primaries make you a better candidate in the general election typically having rough and tumble primaries look at brian kemp the stacy abrams campaign is pouring on lots of dirt on brian kemp right now 
and it's not affecting him in the polls. The reason it's not affecting Brian Kemp in the polls is because it's all old news. He weathered these attacks in the primary and the runoff. They've already been vetted. The voters have already heard them. They've already dismissed them. They've already treated them as old news. And meanwhile, all these things coming out about Stacey Abrams, in addition to the stuff she's currently saying on the campaign trail, all these old things are new. She didn't have a real primary and no disrespect intended to Stacey Evans, but she didn't have the budget. And so she couldn't level these attacks. And so guess what's happening? That all the stuff is coming in now on Stacey Abrams, on Lucy McBath, on Andrew Gilliam, on Kristen Cinema in, in Arizona, and you name it. They didn't have aggressive primaries. Nobody leveled these attacks on them. So they didn't have a chance to respond. And now it's happening right before the election, and they are getting their clocks cleaned as a result. Primaries matter. And neither party ever does well when they decide to coronate candidates. That is a lesson to be learned here. It is a lesson Republicans had to learn in 2010 and 2012. It is a lesson Republicans had to learn in 2006 when the Democrats cleaned their clock. It is a lesson Democrats are having to learn now. Coronations create terrible general election candidates. They need to weather the fires of a primary so that they can be vetted thoroughly by their own voters and the other voters can be exposed to and inoculated from the negative news. That hasn't happened with these candidates. You have trouble sleeping. Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night? When you sleep poorly, how does this impact the rest of your day? Look, I'm excited to announce I'm partnering with Calm. It's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programming, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grown-ups designed to quiet your mind and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark. Peters from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. They're guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and they're soothing music and more. Now look, for a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off Calm Premium subscriptions at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that's going to get you drifting off to dreamland in no time. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric, then go to sleep. It's 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I would like to go back to the phones. Do I have time? Yes, I do. Cliff and Noonan, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Hey, quick point, and um, I'll jump off of here, but with the um, with all of the inundation of messages about voter suppression, um, what are your thoughts on the possibility of things maybe getting a little out of hand or, or even some violence if the election doesn't go a certain way. Look, I, I think if uh, let's just take the, the house of representatives, I still think the Democrats are the odds on favorite for taking back the house. Uh, but I think that if they don't, if the Republicans are able to hold it and it's possible, by the way, it's not probable, but it is possible. Republicans could hold the house of representatives. And I think you're going to see Antifa like groups out there causing violence. Uh, I do think that you're probably going to see protests here in Atlanta. 
I do think that the Abrams campaign is working very hard on a grievance campaign for why she didn't win. Uh, I do think, for example, all of this talk about voter suppression and and, uh, keeping people from being registered and whatnot, none of it is true, but it's going to have the effect of incentivizing people not voting. Um, And then, of course, you know, so Brian Kemp was asked, for example, uh, about uh, absentee voting, and he said that uh, usually Republicans are winning absentee voting right now. Democrats, Stacey Abrams campaign, appears to have fielded a more absentee ballots and that that's concerning and that's troubling for him. And he meant it as a candidate. But Democrats are blowing this up, saying, oh, the secretary of state's going to abuse his position, which is complete BS. But they're trying to scare people. It's 39 after the hour. The Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams debate happens in a little while, and their leaked audio has come out today of Brian Kemp uh, telling supporters uh, that uh, the use of absentee ballots by the Abrams campaign, quote, continues to concern us, especially if everyone uses and exercises their right to vote. Common Cause Georgia left-wing group and others are coming out saying this is the, the Secretary of State uh, trying to suggest uh, that he may do something because he's in charge of elections. You, know, you notice how they're they're trying to say, oh, this is a conflict of interest. I get this from people all the time. Do you really want a bureaucrat in charge of elections? We have secretaries of state who are elected to hold them accountable for running elections, among other things. And they're trying to play up this whole angle of, of he's abusing his power. They've built this entire narrative structure. The media has bought into it. None of it that they've reported has been true. The media's had to walk back numerous things. Like, for example, the Associated Press reporting that lady who had the the hyphenated last name was a pending voter because of her hyphenated last name. And it turns out, no, she was a pending voter because she had already registered, was an active voter. And she registered again, slightly changing the spelling of her last name. And they flagged it as a possible duplicate voter, which it was. If you actually listen to the audio, and let me see if I can find this leaked audio here, Rolling Stone, a left wing group at Rolling Stone is playing this audio. Let me see if I can get this up here now. Um, I'm in delay in case there's something else here. Uh, let's see. On mute, turn this on, on the fly at Rolling Stone. We were going into the start of early voting with the literally tens of millions of dollars that they are putting behind to get out the vote efforts for their base. A lot of that with absentee ballot requests, they have just an unprecedented number of that, which is something that continues to concern us, especially if everybody uh, uses and exercises their right to vote, which they absolutely can, and mails those ballots in. we got to have heavy turnout to offset that. Now, you hear that? There's nothing suspicious about that. Brian Kemp asked about uh, how he's stacking up in early voting to Stacey Abrams, gives a matter-of-fact answer that her campaign and outside groups are spending millions of dollars to turn out absentee ballots and early votes, and his campaign's got to stand up to that. He's answering a question, not as Secretary of State, but as a candidate, about how his campaign shapes up versus hers in early voting and absentee balloting. And the Democrats, oh, see, this is the Secretary of State. He's suggesting he's going to suppress the vote. No, he's not. This is hysteria from the left that has tried to build a narrative that Brian Kemp is suppressing votes. And everything they've done has proven to be a lie. For example, 
They claim that Brian Kemp has thrown 300,000 people off the registered voter list. What they leave out that makes this a lie, twisting the truth so much, is that the process is automated in Georgia and it's in compliance with federal law. It happens in odd-numbered years. It did not happen this year, as they've claimed. And it was people who haven't voted for seven years that the Secretary of State and local boards of election have tried to find. They cannot find those people, and they've taken them off the list, presuming they have moved. If those people show up, they're able to vote. The other is the uh, what we went over with Secretary Kemp yesterday on the program is the pending voter file. Pending voters are people who may have had uh, a duplicate registration or they're not yet 18, but they've gone on and filed the registration because they will be 18 uh, by election day. But 75% of the people on the pending voter file are people who put in wrong social security numbers. And 23% of those people were generated by the Abrams campaign. It was the Abrams campaign, or, or rather the New Georgia Project, that submitted that paperwork and people I've talked to in the secretary of state's office beyond the secretary tell me they think it was the uh, new Georgia product st- staffers who actually filled out the paperwork themselves and they got the information wrong, not the voter. And they're leaving all of that out. They're trying to shape a narrative and it's a fraudulent narrative. And yet that's what they're trying to do to cast doubts on Brian Kemp. And I think the perverse effect is it's going to suppress the democratic vote. People saying, why bother? It's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth. This is Stacey Abrams yet again trying to divide people instead of unite people to try to win an election. It's very Obama-like. You know, there, there's other... Yeah, Wendy Davis, you know Abortion Barbie from Texas who ran for governor there a few years ago. Uh, I want you to listen to her spin on the Democratic campaigns and why they're not going after President Trump. You know, I think Democrats are on their message and they understand what has their voters motivated right now. They know that voters are motivated based on education, on local property taxes, as we are enduring the highest imaginable here in Texas. Yeah, you see, they're they're focusing on taxes, not Trump. But listen to this part of her statement. We had record turnout in our urban areas here in Texas, Dallas County, seeing over 300 percent increase from 2014. Dallas is a blue county, Bear County, Harris County, Travis County. Every one of these deeply blue counties are counties that are seeing extraordinary high turnouts on the first day of early vote. And we expect to see that all the way through to election day. Do you notice what she's actually saying there? What she's actually saying is that they're having turnout in already blue areas. The Democratic Party, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Tom Perez, the chairman of the DNC and others are starting to walk back all of the rhetoric about the blue wave. You see, I've been telling you guys for a while and I said it again last night that I think there's going to be a really big blue wave in this country, but it's only going to happen in already blue areas. So the problem for Republicans is that all the swing districts right now are Republican districts. And Democrats only need to win 23 of them to take back the House. And so the odds are the Democrats take back the House by a narrow margin. But this massive blue wave that we're seeing is already happening in Democratic states. It's happening in in urban areas. It's happening in San Francisco. It's happening. Frankly, it's happening in Atlanta. That's why you got to go turn out and vote for Brian Kemp to offset it. There are more Republicans than Democrats in Georgia. Early voting for Republicans looks good in these areas. But, you know, you got the situation in Florida with the hurricane destruction there in the panhandle, highly Republican area. That may hurt Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is hurting himself. 
But the blue wave is coming. It's just coming in already Democrat areas, so it really doesn't matter. Republican areas are holding their own. Republican voters are as energized as Democratic voters, and the early voting is starting to show that Republican voters are doing very, very well. The only state, a swing state, where Democratic voters are outpacing Republican voters right now is Nevada, and that's to be expected given the trend lines in Nevada, but that doesn't mean they're voting Democrat because a lot of Democrats voted for Dean Heller last time, and the odds are, based on the polling we're seeing in Nevada, he may pull it off again, uh, but otherwise Republicans are turning out. So yes, there's going to be a big blue wave in November. It's just going to be in already Democrat area, so what does it matter? I am, you know, in the South we have the saying, I'm, I'm proud for someone, and I am. Uh, my friend Chip Roy, if you are a Longtime listener to this program, Chip has been on here probably a half dozen times in the last few years. Uh, Chip Roy worked for John Cornyn and then became a U.S. attorney, or deputy U.S. attorney, rather. He then worked uh, as a deputy chief of staff to Rick Perry before becoming chief of staff for Ted Cruz then became um, the first assistant Texas attorney general, um, the number two guy behind the attorney general in Texas. And then he took over the 10th Amendment Center for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, a think tank in Texas that does fantastic work, and uh, really built that organization up as a, a chief organizer in this country for the 10th Amendment. Well, now he's running for Congress in Texas. His district stretches from San Antonio to Austin. It is a Republican district. He is expected to win. And the Politico has a profile of him. Tim Alberta, who writes fantastic profiles, has this profile of Chip. It is in Politico uh, today. I've pushed it out on social media. And the headline is, Meet the Next Ted Cruz. But it's the subtitle that is so fantastic. In November, Chip Roy is likely to be elected to Congress. Top House Republicans worry he'll be to the right of the Freedom Caucus. These Republicans in Congress are complaining that all these Republicans are running and they're saying what Republicans have done. And Chip Roy is campaigning, pointing out what Republicans haven't done. And this is his great quote. If there is a thousand miles to go, we've gone maybe 50 miles. So now we got to focus on the things people really want to see done. We've got to have health care freedom. We've got to balance the budget. We've got to secure the border. Uh, it, it's refreshing to have a candidate who has strong principles and isn't afraid to run on those principles. And he is a dear friend. And it is so great to see him headed to Congress.